Oh, Lord, we honor you. We praise your holy name indeed for who you are. Thank you for these beautiful words and these songs that magnify your holy name in marvelous ways. Thank you now for your holy word, O oh God, and we pray that you would speak to us through a portion of your holy Bible as we get into this message. And Lord, I pray, I pray for those amongst us who are facing special challenges this week. Lord, I pray for our dear sister Anita as she goes in for this very important and very major surgery. May you work through the doctors and the staff to accomplish for Anita what needs to be done and then bring healing, healing and restoration to her body, dear God. May you help others who have medical appointments of different sorts this coming week, and may you continue to bring healing to those who are already in hospital and remind them, remind them of your presence and your love. And Lord, may you remind indeed our sister Lena of your presence and your love and our love in these special hours of need in her journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to be seated, church family. Feel free to be seated. And would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. The theme of today's message is beautiful. The theme is, thank you mothers and all ladies. We want to say thank you to all of you for who you are and what you do. And the inspiration for this message comes from a very special woman in the Bible named Sarah, whose life is recorded in Genesis. And just as we get into uh, Sarah and Abraham, I want to draw your attention to just a couple of facts so that as we're reading different portions of Scripture, you will kind of be aware of what's going on and you won't wonder why there's been the use of different names. What I'm referring to, for example, is as we focus on the scripture, you'll see that initially, initially there's the reference to Abram, A-B-R-A-M, which means noble father. And then his name is changed to Abraham, Abraham meaning father of many nations, and the Lord instructed him to change the name in Genesis 17, verse 5. And then as the story unfolds, we read about, about his wife, Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, which means princess, okay, Sarai, S-A-R-A-I. Some, some of your Bibles, depending on what translation it is, might have it S-A-R-A initially, Okay, this part of our Bible in Genesis was initially in Hebrew, and so when the translators were working to translate into, into English, they faced and continue to face the challenge of whether to uh, spell it S-A-R-A-I or S-A-R-A. But anyway, Sarai means princess, and the Lord changed her name to Sarah, which is a name, obviously, that's more common to us, more familiar. And I studied the various uh, experts and Bible, uh, Bible people 
about the name Sarah, and some of them say Sarah still means princess, and others said it really means a little bit more uh, like mother, mother of many people. And so I like to combine the two and say, princess, mother of many people, okay? And that name change occurs in Genesis 17, verse 15. By the way, when God changes a name, he is pointing out a new destiny, a new direction for a person. So in a sense, God was giving Abram and Sarai a new direction in their lives when he brought about the name change. All right, let's get into it here. And first of all, I want to say thank you, ladies. Well, thank you, mothers and all ladies, for cooperating with your family members, okay? Thank you for cooperating with your family members. This truth came to my mind as I began to read, for example, in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, the first part of it, says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of, Mo of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. All right, I want you to especially notice in the storyline here, I want you to especially notice verse 5, which says, he... Abram took his wife, took his wife Sarai, and headed for the land of Canaan. The bottom line is, as we see the story unfold here and in the chapters to come, we see that his wife was a wonderful cooperator. She cooperated with her husband, all right? And we want to thank, I want to thank the many of you mothers and all ladies who also, who also cooperate with your husbands, with your family members, with the people that are part of life's journey for you. And as, as I say this, men, men, I want to ask you to stand to, in a moment to express, express your appreciation, our appreciation to your mother or your wife 
or some other women who have shown a beautiful spirit of cooperation in your life across the years. And uh, ladies, if he doesn't stand, if he doesn't stand, pinch him, pinch him, or, 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 or give him, give him uh, 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 whatever, to give him some motivation to, to, to just stand, all right? All right? Gentlemen, why don't you just stand with me? Stand with me, all right? All right, and express appreciation for the ladies in your life who have been cooperating, who will continue to cooperate and be a blessing to you and to all of us in this fashion. I was already standing, so I hope you noticed, Cindy, my wife, that I was standing as well. Now, some of you, some of you might be thinking, you know, Pastor, my, my mother or my wife isn't that cooperative. Some of you maybe are thinking that. Well, after hearing this sermon, she will be cooperative. Amen, ladies? Amen. Amen. All right. So, men, let's continue to have this great sense of appreciation for their cooperation in, in your home, in our home. Amen? Here's a second truth I invite you to consider, and it is this. Thank you, ladies, for putting up with less than perfect husbands. <laughs> I think I heard quite a few amens there already. Uh, where does this come from? Well, I get it from the, the story as it unfolds further here because I want you to see that Sarai's husband was less than perfect. Some of you, some of you might think, well, she was married to Abram, who, whose name was changed to Abraham. Well, even Abraham was not perfect. Look at uh, Genesis 12, verse 10, all right? It says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram, listen to this now, Abram said to his wife, to his wife Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, verse 14, and sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. He gave sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Verse 17, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why, why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his 
possessions, all of his possessions. So you can see that Sarai's husband told her to, um, to lie, to lie as to who she was. Her, her husband insisted that she do something wrong. She had to say that she was his sister. Now, <clears throat> by the way, this was, sometimes we might be a little bit harsh on Abram here, but um, I, want, I want us to know that this was, was a half-truth. It was a half-truth in that Genesis chapter 20, verse 12 says, and she, referring to Sarai, and she really is my sister, for we both have the same father, <clears throat> but different mothers. And I married her. And I married her. That, that was something that took place in those days fairly often. So in a sense, in a sense, she was his half-sister. But the reality was, she was also his wife, and he, um, he was obviously asking, well, not just asking, he basically told, told his wife to uh, tell a lie and say that she was available, so to speak, okay? In a sense, Abraham, Abraham showed a lack of faith that God would protect him and would protect his wife if he told the truth that Abram and Sarah were married. Now, Abram was a great man in the Bible, and he was one of the greatest in Jewish history, but I want you to still notice he wasn't perfect. Sometimes he did some things which he should not have, and Sarai had to put up with him. She had to put up with him. And the truth is, the truth is, many of you wives and mothers have had to sometimes put up with a, with a less than perfect, a less than perfect husband, less than perfect father, less than perfect brother, less than perfect son or daughter, less than perfect boss. Amen? And if I were to ask, if I were to ask for all the less than perfect men to stand, which I won't, if I were to ask all the less than perfect men to stand, all of us would be standing because we all have flaws. And I, I beat all of you to, you know, all of you to it because I'm standing already, right? All right? And my, my wife is sitting there probably wanting to say amen and amen. Amen? So, thank you, ladies, for putting up with less than perfect husbands, fathers, brothers, sons, daughters, and bosses. And man, can I, can I suggest, can I just suggest that since you know what are some of the things that bother your wife or, mo or mother, can you decide, can you decide today to improve upon at least one of your flaws for the sake of the woman or women in your life, okay? If you're sitting, ladies, if you're sitting beside your husband, give him a little nudge, okay? So men, can we decide today 
that, that you and I are going to make a s- strong effort to improve upon at least one of our flaws, whatever that might be. And uh, just for fun, maybe, maybe in the weeks to come, men or ladies, you can, you can talk to me and say, Pastor Nick, since that Mother's Day sermon, uh, I improved or my husband improved in this aspect of his life. Amen? Okay. Let's go to a third truth. I want to say, thank you, ladies, for your beauty. Thank you for your beauty. This comes out in the story in verse 11, Genesis 12, verse 11. It says that as he was approaching, as Abram was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. All right? And then verse 14 and beyond. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. And when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace, into his palace. And so we see here, of course, that, um, that his, her husband, her husband recognized her beauty, and then the others recognized her beauty. And we want to say thank you, ladies. Thank you for the beauty that each one of you has. You are beautiful. I understand, of course, that the, you know, there are some ladies who, uh, who are... Um, who are models in that, and, uh, and there's a place for that. But the, the truth is, God has made you, he's made each one of you ladies in a unique way, in a very beautiful way. And you, you, have, you have beauty that, uh, that I trust the people in your life, whether it's a husband, children, others, family members and friends, I hope that they have recognized your beauty. And this is a little reminder to us husbands. Husbands, we, we need to tell our wife more often probably, about, speak to her about her beauty and say, sweetheart, you look so lovely. Honey, Cindy, you look lovely, my dear. You look lovely. And, and gentlemen, you might want to whisper over to your wife right now and just tell her how lovely she looks, that she's beautiful. All right, all right, just uh, take a moment to do so. We just want to say thank you, ladies, thank you. One of the top five, you know, when I do premarital counseling with our wedding couples, uh, I, I do a lesson, I do a lesson on, one of the lessons is on the theme of what, what men wish the women knew and what women wish the men knew in terms of what each one wants. And uh, in the lesson on what men want, one of the top five, top five requests of men is that their, their wife, their wife look nice, that their wife maintain her beauty with the passing of the years. And so we thank you, dear ladies, for, for your beauty. And um, we're grateful not, not only for your external beauty, but also for your internal beauty, for your internal beauty, in fact, God, God says more about the internal beauty. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, God says, 
Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband. Abraham, well, we'll just pause there. Sarah obeyed her husband. So thank you, dear ladies, for your outward beauty and your internal beauty. And as we reflect upon this truth, especially about the inward beauty, the good news is God, by his Holy Spirit, is able to bring about inward beauty in all women and in all men. For the Bible says the fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and a a whole lot of other beautiful things that he wants to create within our heart. Amen, amen. Let's go to a fourth truth, and it is this. Thank you, ladies, for persevering through many heartaches and hardships. Thank you for persevering through many heartaches and hardships. A lot of these um, heartaches and hardships are, are spoken of in Genesis chapter 16. So if you just flip over in your Bible to Genesis 16, where we continue to see a part of the story of Abram and Sarai, okay? I want you to notice some of the hardships that, uh, that Sarai ex- experienced. The, fir- the first one, the first one I want to draw your attention to, and for those of you making notes, it's A. The first one is difficulty having children. Difficulty having children. Genesis 16.1 says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. She had not been able to bear children for him. Sarai couldn't, at least up until that point, was not able to have a child. This this was a very painful, painful matter for a woman in their day, for any woman in their day. And the reality is, it has continued to be a painful experience for most women across the centuries who have, for whatever reasons, have had difficulty having a child. They got married, were looking forward to having a a child, but for some reason, it just hasn't happened. If you know someone, if you know someone like that, then pray for, pray for her, and pray for the husband, pray for the family, pray for them, pray for God to perform a miracle. Pray that, that God would do what, what humanly isn't happening, but God by his spirit and power and his might and his miraculous work can bring about that which to us seems impossible. Amen? Amen? So, thank you for persevering 
to some of you here who have gone through this difficulty. Then there are other difficulties that Saray experienced. Point B, there's wrestling with some very difficult decisions. Notice this in verses two through four, but it kind of starts uh, the latter part of verse one. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. So what do we see? We see that Sarai had to wrestle with a very difficult decision. Uh, She struggled with whether or not to let Hagar serve as a substitute wife which, by the way, at that time was actually a common practice. But she wrestled with that very difficult decision. Is she, is she going to allow this Hagar to be intimate with her husband? And how is this all going to work out? So she struggled. And it's a reminder to me that across the years, all of you ladies have wrestled with various difficult decisions. Hopefully not with the same or similar one to... Um, to Saray, but, but you, have, you have faced a variety of different challenges, haven't you? You know what they are. Some of them are unique to your own situation. Speaking of that, l- let me just address one, one issue that, that a lot of ladies, or at least some ladies who were born in the Caribbean had to face, especially some years ago. Many of you women know that years ago, a lot of wonderful ladies who were born in the Caribbean islands and some other parts of the world as well, wrestled, faced the issue of, do you, do you leave one of the islands and go to England to go to school, to get an education there, to, um, to work? Do you leave the islands and, and come to Canada now, it would have been okay leaving the islands. It would have been okay, except, except the decision was even much, much more difficult for some of you because some dear women had to face the issue of, I've got precious children. I've got dear children. But, but in order to better support and provide a better future for my children, I, I need to go to England or I need to go to Canada or to the U.S., and so, and so, as a lot of you know, some women left, some women left their children, a child or two or three, left them on the island in the care of often a grandmother or an auntie. Now, usually these grandmothers and aunties did a great job, but I know, I know that some, that some, some kids who have grown up, and some of you are here today, I know that some of you kids who are now adults, 
Some of you grew up saying, you know, I know why mom did what she did. She did it for our long-term benefit. She was away from us because she loved us. So she, she went away to school or, and or she went away to Canada or some other country to work because she was what? She, she loved us and she was looking out for our best long-term. And so some of you adults understand that. But I also know that some who have grown up some of you have wrestled with the fact that, oh, I really miss my mom as a child. Mom was away. Uh, my, my grandmother or my auntie was taking care of us, but I hardly saw grandma, I, I hardly saw mom until later in my years. And that, for some of you, has been a very painful experience. And I just want to say, I just want to say that, that as you look back, as you look back, I'm sorry that some of you experienced hurt, and that's understandable, but could I say to you, could I say to you, don't hold it against your mother. Don't hold it against your mom, but rather look upon it as, as she tried to do her best. She tried to, to do her best at a very difficult time in her life and a difficult time in the family. Are you understanding what I'm saying here? Yes? Say, can someone say yes? Okay, all right. All right, let's move along here. Let's move along. Okay, then, then I'm talking about thank you ladies for persevering through many hard, heartaches and hardships. Then some of you have had family members, this is C, some of you had family members who cause you pain, amen? Um, we read of it in verse four, in verse four. But when Hagar knew, but when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. With contempt. What is contempt? You see it on the screen. It's the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless. What's that boiled down to? It means that that, that Hagar. After being intimate with, uh, with, Abram's, with Abram, Hagar got pregnant. And then, unfortunately, that, that dear lady wasn't too wise in this respect because then she, uh, she basically started saying, oh, I'm so wonderful, I'm so great, I'm having a baby, I'm having a baby. But Sarai, you can't have a baby, you know. You're worthless, you're worthless. You just, you just don't have it with you or in you, you know? And unfortunately, unfortunately that caused Sarai a lot of pain. And there are times in your life when family members have caused you pain for, for different reasons, right? And you have persevered. I commend you for persevering. And this is a little, little reminder to all of us to be careful, to be careful not to cause one another unnecessary, uncalled for pain. Right on? Right on? Then others have gone through various heartaches and hardships. So for, for instance, uh, point D is this. Pain you feel for blaming someone else for a problem when you know it was your fault. I mean, if you look at verse 5, look at this. Then Sarai said to Abram, okay, Sarai says to Abram, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant. 
Now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. Wow. Uh, whose idea was it? Whose idea was it? It was Hagar's, I'm sorry, it was Saray's, Saray's idea. It was Saray's idea that, uh, that her husband become intimate with, with Hagar. And now, now she says, oh, oh, it's all your fault. Oh, it's all your fault. Husbands, do you sometimes get blamed for stuff you shouldn't be blamed? Uh, you're quiet, you're quiet. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, I think I know what it means. Okay? But anyway, there are family members uh, sometimes who cause us pain, and we, we've got to watch that, right? Uh, here, here's another point of pain. Pain E. Pain felt when no one seems to help to help you solve the problem. Look at verse six, the first part of verse six. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit, okay? So Hagar was basically saying to her husband, listen, this woman, this woman, this woman is causing me pain. Sarah, Sarah's saying, uh, Hagar is causing me a lot of pain. She's making fun of me for the fact that I couldn't have your baby. And now she's going to have your baby. She's really, she's really a pain. And what does, uh, <laughs> what, do, what does her husband say? Her husband says, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Okay? And, and, and sometimes you, you've asked for help from different people, but you didn't get it. And you felt like, all right, I got to solve this on my own. Thanks a bunch. Thanks a lot. And uh, we, we could add here, there, there are so many other ways in which Sarah experienced pain. And you and I have experienced a variety of pain for different reasons at different times. But the bottom line is, thank you for persevering through many hardships and heartaches. Amen. And here is the last truth I want to share with you, number five. Thank you, ladies, for giving birth to babies. Thank you for giving birth. To begin with, Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, and we read about it in Genesis 16, verses 7 through 16. And uh, this afternoon, I would encourage you to read that portion of Scripture. And as some of you know, the Arab race descended from Ishmael, from Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. And then we read about how Sarah gave birth to Isaac. This was the promised child. Isaac was the promised child. Sarah gave birth to Isaac, recorded in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. And Abraham... At this point, the name was changed, had been changed, and Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old when Isaac was born. How do we know that? Genesis 17, verse 17 tells us. And by the way, Sarah died at the age of 127, according to Genesis 23, verse 1. And Abraham lived to be 175. And the Jews descended from Isaac, from Isaac. And we want to say thank you, ladies, for giving birth to babies, to babies. If women didn't keep giving birth, none of us would be here. You wouldn't be here. 
By the way, why, why does the Bible tell us, I was thinking about this, why does the Bible tell us that Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born? Why, why are we given those details? I believe it is God's way of saying to you and me, with God, all things are possible. Believe it. That's why we are told. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, You husbands must give honor to your wives. As you think of all the truth I've briefly shared with you today, 1 Peter 3, 7 would say to us, You husbands must, honor, must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. And Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3 says, Each of you must show great respect for your mother. For your mother. And now, listen and watch this prayer. Dear God, none of us had perfect moms, but we honor our moms today on Mother's Day because you chose them to create each of us. Lord, for many, Mother's Day is a difficult day, and so we ask you to comfort those with heartaches today. For those who've lost their mothers, comfort them. For moms who've lost a child through miscarriage or through death, comfort them. We pray for our stepmoms who struggle with blending a family. We pray for those who have had a delayed adoption or even a failed adoption and their heart has been broken. Comfort these moms. Comfort those who've wanted to be mothers but it just hasn't happened. Comfort those who've struggled with infertility. Wrap your arms around these women, dear Lord, and give them your comfort today. At the same time, you said to rejoice with those who rejoice, so we celebrate with those who've given birth this year to a brand new baby. We celebrate with those who've adopted children into their home or those who have graciously and warmly welcomed foster kids who need a loving home. Lord, we thank you for our moms in every stage of life. We thank you for the mothers of preschoolers whose work is never finished. We thank you for the moms of grade schoolers who play chauffeur and pack lunches and help with homework every day. We thank you for moms who feel both the pride and the ache of now being in the empty nest stage. On this Mother's Day, Lord, we commit ourselves to honoring and to loving and to protecting the mothers in our lives, and we thank you for the gift of mothers, and we pray your blessing on them today. The greatest gift that anyone can give to their mother, whether mom is alive or has already gone to heaven, the greatest gift that you can give is to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. To repent of your sins, to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and to say, Jesus, I give you my heart and I give you my life. 
I give you my all. And so I invite you to stand with me. And as I lead in this prayer, lead in this prayer, some of you will want to pray this prayer and say, Lord, on this Mother's Day, I give you my heart and my life. Just quietly pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. On this Mother's Day, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I believe I can be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross, the cross of Calvary, to pay the price for my sins. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for receiving me into your family. I want to live my life in such a way that I please you and that I please my mother and I please all godly women. Help me to become the man or the woman, the person you want me to be for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.